Welcome to another live episode of The Energy Detox, a petroleum-based blend of leadership conversations guaranteed to help you tap into the same resources fueling today's most successful and sustainable leaders. I'm your host, Joe Sinnott, an executive coach, chemical engineer, and 16-year energy industry veteran, and I'm here to help you boost your professional and, and personal output by flushing away the hidden and often toxic barriers to peak performance. And today, we're going to help examine how today's successful leaders and today's most sustainable leaders avoid having regret slow them down, if not get them stuck entirely in thoughts and in a lack of actions that are needed to help move them forward. And to drive today's conversation, we're going to turn to the 20-year anniversary, if you will, of Enron's bankruptcy. And in reading through various articles uh, commemorating the official bankruptcy date yesterday, that uh, again was 20 years prior, one of the articles struck me as it went through a lot of the, the people involved in Enron who, I wouldn't say don't have regrets, but certainly emphasize the positives, emphasize all of the great things that Enron did and should get credit for, while obviously also acknowledging some of the things that were not so great. And today's episode is not going to be a review of Enron. Again, there's no shortage of articles and movies and books and everything you can go out and read about Enron. But the goal today is to look at the complexity, if you will, of Enron, as the article today states, and use that complexity as a way to help you understand that, yes, many decisions that you make are complex. And because of that, many of the results that are generated might also be complex. And by looking at past results and only dwelling on the negative outcomes and only dwelling on the ways that you could have made a, a different and perhaps better decision can be quite damaging and be, Committing and could honestly slow you down and slow your people down and make you a less effective leader. And again, going back to this article, one of the individuals quoted said he had no regrets, at least about the, the stress that he was put under and all of the things that he had to do that were, again, above board and legal. And he didn't regret being a part of that organization. He didn't regret being a part of everything that Enron built and that in many ways still continues today. In many ways, they were trendsetters. They were innovative. And, and again, a lot of the, the technologies and the approaches that they took that, again, were on you know the up and up are still things that are impacting business today. But again, this isn't just a case of giving credit where it's due and acknowledging bad things that happened. It's definitely not a case of me just saying that, you know, every, uh, every, gray cloud has a silver lining, if you will. I'm not just here to, you know, rah-rah and pump people up and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. Just brush yourself off and don't dwell on the past. Yeah, there's some relevance to that, but that's not what I do. And that's certainly not my goal for today. My goal today is to help make sure that you are not unnecessarily slowed down by regret. Yes, I want you to be a leader who is thoughtful and conscious and aware and can look back on the past and past decisions and past results and make better, more informed decisions now. But what I don't want you to be is a leader who gets stuck because that is the number one thing that I do as a coach is I help people get unstuck or at least avoid 
uh, elements and avoid barriers that could slow them down and leave themselves or at least leave their stakeholders, whether they're employees, whether they're investors, whether they're customers, stuck. So today, let's help you get unstuck by using some of the lessons from uh, the Enron bankruptcy from 20 years ago and use some of the lessons that I've seen in my own career and in my own role now as a coach to, again, help you as we do every morning, ask questions to avoid you leaning too heavily on regret. And again, throwing in a couple other elements and headlines that we might weave into today's conversation, we also need to look at some recent headlines regarding pricing. In particular, companies who are, you could argue, losing, at least in the, the weird world of accounting, losing money because of hedges that you know were locked in months ago, if not a year ago, when prices, particularly the natural gas prices, were far lower. And again, these aren't losses in the traditional sense, it's more lost opportunities, but clearly there's a lot of pressure on leaders of companies, both CEOs and certainly those in the commercial world who locked in prices when they were low and now are seeing higher prices that they're not able to fully capitalize on. It's very easy for some of those leaders to dwell on and, and to go into a spiral of regret and then in turn impact future decisions. And again, some of the best leaders now, some of the most sustainable leaders are going to be adept at basically brushing things off and saying that, look, we made a decision, we made an informed decision. The results may not have been what, you know, we would have liked, but again, that doesn't mean it was a bad decision. And this is a topic that we talk about often on the energy detox, and it's certainly one that I engage with many people on a one-on-one basis, but it is a topic that bears repeating, that the results don't always speak to the quality of the decision. So that's another outcome today, not just focusing on uh, avoiding regret and uh, regret-driven decisions, if you will, but also remembering that sometimes a good decision can lead to bad results. So with all of that, let's jump into the first question today so that I don't regret rambling on for too long and uh, and uh, eliminating any hopes that you are still listening here five or six minutes in. And that first question today is, in what ways are you unwittingly building a strategy upon a foundation of regret? In what ways are you going into future decisions, and certainly from a much bigger standpoint, in what ways are you building an entire strategy for yourself, for your company, and even in your personal life, for your family, that is based on fear, that is based on this idea that, look, in the past, you've made some decisions that weren't 100%, or people around you have made some decisions that weren't 100%, and that is one of the primary drivers in how you construct your strategy and how you're leading your life. Because, again, going back to the to the quote that uh, headlines today's uh, today's episode, you know, regret is is a horrible way to build a foundation, right? You can't build upon it. The uh, author of the quote here that said regret in is a is an appalling waste of energy. Well, she goes on to say that regret is also something that you can't build upon. It is about as shaky of a foundation as you can get, right? You know, the converse to that that we'll talk about here in a couple minutes is, of course, focusing on the long term. What is your ultimate goal? And then working backwards, not starting from a place of, ooh, I don't want to make a bad decision. And if that's where your head is at when you you know begin a process, when you begin some sort of strategic exercise, when you begin putting together a business plan or a marketing plan or whatever the case might be, well, every step from that point forward is going to be mired in this, this you know, rut of regret that is going to tinge every, basically every decision that is made from that point forward. So the first question that you should be asking on a regular basis, and certainly today, is are you unwittingly building a strategy? Or again, let's bring it back to just today. Are you unwittingly 
setting out your agenda and your mindset for today, that's based on regret. That's based on a desire to not make the wrong decisions, to not take the wrong path to to work this morning and get stuck in traffic, to not take the wrong approach to a coffee that you're having with a potential customer, to not take the wrong approach to a meeting that you're having with an employee who is having some, some issues, to take the wrong approach. Are you afraid of regretting your performance in a potential job interview? Whatever the case might be, it is so common and it's so natural for people to get into this mindset without, um, you know, realizing all of the damage that can be caused. And again, let's go back to the, the headline, the, the banner, if you will, that's, that's driving today's conversation. And that is, of course, this idea that Enron didn't build a business based on regrets. And again, maybe that was to their, to their detriment because, again, obviously those who uh, regret being in prison for, I think, a dozen years like uh, Mr. Skilling there and, and those who obviously suffered a, a worse fate, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lay there, uh, Clearly, I think there's some regrets there. But the reality is Enron, in many ways, was built on vision, based on some bigger purpose, based on innovation, based on some you know new way of doing things, which has benefits. And they were able to move forward and help other people move forward and move technology forward because of that vision. And again, we can't ignore the downside of things, but we need to acknowledge that a business built on long-term focus and positivity and a desire to, to function properly and grow and and develop new technologies, it's probably going to do all right so long as it's being done uh, in a a legal and non-fraudulent manner. Which all brings us to the second question. Because it's easy to look at a headline like Enron and say, well, you know, from that, you might become overly protective. And obviously from that, you, you might Uh, have new rules and regulations in place that are meant to protect investors. And again, that's a good thing. Um, You know, might be, uh, have have added some complexity and, and, you know, countless billions of dollars in in extra layers of accounting rules and and effort and all of that. But setting those protection uh, instruments aside, let's talk about you and your protective mindset. In particular, what insecurities are fueling your tendency to dwell on past decisions. And again, this is a related, of course, to the first question where, you know, you might be unwittingly building a foundation of regret that you're then building upon. But let's bring it back to you as an individual. What are the insecurities that could be revealed in your tendency to, to think about bad decisions that you've made? And again, this can filter into all different areas of your life. It doesn't just have to relate to big, you know, billion dollar business decisions. It could be as simple as, you know, the activities that you decide to engage it on a daily basis, whether or not you decide to go for a walk or maybe take a nap or read a book if you happen to have some free time. Or maybe it's related to, again, what you choose to eat. This is a silly analogy that I often use in, in my talks or uh, certainly in my conversations with individuals, but it's it could hold you up, right? I mean, how much time are you wasting hemming and hawing on you know where to go out to eat or, or what to eat for lunch or, or you're halfway through and you regret that you went with the salad instead of the burger? I mean, it's it seems so silly. But if you have in this mind, this tendency that, oh, you're always making wrong decisions. You're always choosing the wrong thing on the menu. You're always helping other people choose the wrong thing. People are asking you for opinions and it always turns out to be wrong. If that's the mindset that you constantly get into, there's going to be some insecurities there. And in many cases, even the most confident leaders, at least outwardly, are often wrestling with these insecurities. And it's when those insecurities bubble out and when they infect the you know, the, the interactions that they have with individuals or when it, it infects the, the decisions that they make regarding corporate strategy, you're asking for trouble. 
So again, ask yourself, what insecurities are fueling your tendency to dwell on the past, whether you realize it or not? And the final question today is, how can you help others reduce regret and make stronger, faster, and more confident decisions? So it's one thing to talk about your own insecurities, and it's one thing to talk about your own tendency to maybe be overprotective and and overly fearful of the downside of your decisions instead of focusing, of course, on the upside and your ultimate goals. But the bigger question for you as a leader, of course, is how are you impacting other people's ability to make clear, conscious, effective, and timely decisions? Because if you're instilling in them this sense of fear, and again, fear and regret go hand in hand, but but if you're instilling a sense of fear that is more aligned with regret and more aligned with this fact that they should be, I don't know, somewhat embarrassed by the decisions they make if they don't play out. Well, that's far more dangerous in some cases than than by just ruling with an iron fist and being fearful. Because what you're doing is you're instilling in your stakeholders, particularly your employees, this idea that they are solely going to be measured on the results of their decision. And again, this is not to say that people shouldn't be measured on results, of course. I mean, that's it's laughable in this day and age of of data and and laughable in this, this age of um, again, you know, having everything at our disposal to, to weigh the pros and cons of each individual performer and performance appraisals and all of these things that have become overly technical to not lean on results. It's quite frankly, the best and most objective measure we have, right? Instead of subjective performance appraisals that are just based on words and based on opinions. No, we need to lean on results. But the reality is if you're making people believe that a single decision And the results of that single decision are going to be the sole measure of their performance and their ability to contribute as an employee. Well, you're doing them a disservice. Now, if you have an employee, of course, who gets to make dozens or hundreds of decisions throughout the course of his or her career or throughout the course of a project, and the majority of those decisions turn out to be disastrous and lead to poor results, well, that's a different story. But if you're focused on that person making the right decision, well, what do you expect other than that person to find themselves stuck? and afraid, and in turn, making less informed decisions, less confident decisions that are driven by, in some cases, your own insecurity that has filtered into them and filtered into your directives. And the, the again, the fear or the certainly the, uh, the uh, directive to avoid potentially regretful decisions and regretful outcomes, what the heck is that going to do to your company? What you want in many ways is what Enron had, not the fraudulent piece, not the, the desire for their leaders to gamble, if you will, and, and kind of push the limits and try to maybe monetize things a little bit sooner and, and in a way that uh, wasn't quite, uh, again, on the up and up. But let's channel and let's give credit where it's due for the leaders of Enron who pushed their employees to make decisions, to move forward, to give them, quite frankly, lots of autonomy, as this article points out, to do great things and to be innovative and to, again, produce things that are still in existence today. And so, again, Coming back to you and coming back to your ability to move forward, to avoid getting stuck and to help others continue to move forward without the tendency to get stuck. I encourage you today to catch yourself when you're making a decision that is based on regret, when you're slowing down unnecessarily to make a decision that's not going to be any better, any more informed because you're acting with fear. And ask yourself how much energy you can feel getting drained from you. How much time are you wasting? And in turn, how much money are you wasting? Because you're dwelling on situations that aren't necessarily cause for regret, but should be cause for learnings and observations. And again, if nothing else, as we just said, data. We live in a data-driven world. So take those decisions you made as a data point, 
lock them somewhere, either formally or just informally in your brain and move on and know that as you continue to make more and more decisions. And again, as a leader, I mean, you're tasked with making thousands of decisions, whether it's whether it's in your personal life or your family or whether it's in a business sense. So keep making those decisions, keep amassing that data, but don't just stop and pause and say that you're afraid of making the next decision because you are fearful that you're going to regret making the wrong decision. Because the reality is, except for some of the decisions that were made with Enron that obviously landed people in jail and in a whole lot of water and destroyed a company and led to uh, all of the, the wonderful regulations that we, we get to deal with today from a, from a financial standpoint, the reality is that most of the decisions you make are going to be just fine. And there is going to be a silver lining. And even though, again, I'm not here to pump you up and be overly positive and, and artificially optimistic, the reality is that very few, quote, bad decisions don't have some upside. Don't give you and their stakeholders the option to move forward. Even multi-billion dollar decisions regarding poor hedges, which a lot of people jumped on, right? A lot of people jumped on natural gas companies who made decisions based on hedges when gas prices were much lower than they are today. And they jumped on the fact that, yes, they're, quote, missing out on the opportunity to take advantage of higher prices. They've missed out on billions and billions of dollars of potential revenue. But the reality is those decisions had a silver line. It did give them some certainty. It allowed them to have some stability and some vision over, you know, the prior 12 months or so that obviously had no shortage of volatility and uncertainty. And again, it's going to be impossible to say whether or not those, uh, you know, that stability and that certainty actually translates into billions of dollars of value. But when you look at the upside of those decisions that maybe didn't pan out again because prices, you know, <laughs> decided to skyrocket, the reality is it is complex, just as the Enron case is complex. It's not all bad. It's not all good. Just as the decisions you make as a leader are often not all bad and not all good. So if you're spending time and quite frankly, wasting time and money and energy dwelling on those decisions from a place of regret and not from a place of learning and development and building and moving forward, then again, you're going to find yourself stuck and you're going to find yourself in a very unsustainable position as a leader. And so with all of that, I hope that uh, you properly uh, honored and celebrated uh, yesterday's uh, momentous occasion here in the energy industry, the 20-year anniversary of, of Enron's bankruptcy. And certainly, I, as always, appreciate your, your time and your engagement and you deciding to listen and invest your time here in the energy, de energy detox. And with that, I hope you have uh, an excellent rest of the day, uh, an excellent weekend, and I look forward to... Uh, sharing some additional thoughts with you on Monday. Bye-bye.